of UF. I went to the wrong one. <laughs> My co-host is not with me, as you could see. I'm flying solo, baby. But it's me, dude named Ben Stoner from the LC Valley, Hell's Canyon area. Welcome to another episode. This is your break from the propaganda, the bad news, the treasonous politicians. It's time to get elevated with me. Again, dude named Ben Stoner from the LC Valley. I'm so glad you're with me. As you can see, if you couldn't tell, by the intro, I am in the stratosphere, but it's clear skies, baby. It's clear skies. And I got a great one for you today. I got a great one for you. Have you ever stopped to wonder, to think, imagine that maybe long before human history, maybe our planet was home to robots, robots, you know, maybe, maybe it wasn't aliens, Maybe it was actually robots, maybe an AI, ancient machines roaming the earth with this intelligent, artificial intelligence, maybe making decisions, changing the environment, perhaps. It's an interesting concept. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's, it's again, it's right out there, um, but it, but I like it. You know what I mean? I like the idea. I like to imagine uh, what if that's the case. And I know, you know, if you've heard the show before, you're probably thinking, well, you don't even know if you believe in aliens or not. Now you're, you're wondering if there's uh, robots. Well, I like, I like to keep the possibilities open. You know, you never know what's what. You never know what's what. And there's some very fascinating, uh, you know, evidence out there as far as architecture, relics that seem to be in crazy precise. Could that not be accomplished with robots? Uh, I know it's a wild thought, but the the Earth is, what, 13 billion years old or some shit is what they say? So who's to say that in all that time, buried deep beneath our feet deep in the earth you know like some of these things these relics these these uh, structures that we found <clears throat> buried in the earth that are so far deep well maybe we haven't gotten deep enough to find some other hidden truth again buried deep within the earth it's amazing. And all right, already there are a lot of things that seem to be rewriting or making us rethink everything that we've been taught about our past. Uh, so it makes me wonder what else we're going to find. Is it going to be super advanced robots well that's kind of what we're going to talk about today we're going to we're going to run over a whole bunch of things we're going to go but but interwoven in this episode today is going to be the idea of robots 
And it might surprise you to know that we're going to we're going to go through the Flatwoods monster or also known the Braxton County monster or the Phantom of Flatwoods. All these names are given to it. It was a creature that was reportedly sighted in the town of Flatwoods in Braxton County, West Virginia, uh, September 12th, 1952. A very famous sighting in the uh, UFO lore. And then we're also going to go over uh, Philip Corso and his book, The Day After Roswell. Why? Because he makes some interesting claims about extraterrestrial technology and the idea that greys might have been alien robots. Fascinating. We're also going to talk about robots and sex. Fuck yeah. Robots and sex. You got to love that shit. Uh, So yeah, I mean, we got to cover it. And then that's going to lead us to, eventually, we're going to get to the $6 million man and uh, talk about all that stuff. So it's going to be a great episode. Very excited for you all to be with me today. Uh, I wish Mr. C was with me today, but he is having to move this weekend. Of course, it's always on the weekend, but he's having to move, so we wish him luck. Don't strain your back, Mr. C. Don't do anything crazy. We need you for the show. But speaking of which, I love Mr. C. Not trying to replace him in any way, but if you go back and you listen to our original episodes, there were three of us. There was three. It was me. It was Blind Mike for the blind one, y'all. Uh, and Dr. Dixon, Lucas Dixon. And Lucas fell off pretty quick, like three episodes, something like that. But but Mike, until he got abducted by aliens and is now enjoying the doing that he's been given, apparently, uh, in space. He's got Stockholm Syndrome. You know, he enjoys his captors, big dicks. Anyways, um, I have always wanted the show to be a panel show. I appreciate multiple perspectives. I I enjoy that. I enjoy uh, listening to conversations and having conversations that involve multiple perspectives and insights and whatnot. That has always been my goal. It's been challenging to find co-hosts that are uh that are that are in it for the long haul and also able able to dedicate the time uh to do it so here is what i'm getting at i am putting it out there to everyone who listens to the show i am looking for co-hosts i'm looking to fulfill this dream of a panel show so if you think that you can keep up with me and the topics and you know, put in, uh, bring something to the table that is good conversation, good humor, whatever it is, reach out. All the different ways you can do that are in the show notes. Uh, you can call 208-477-1288. You can email I want to believe 115 at gmail.com. You can reach out via uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You, we're all over the place. So just find one of the different areas that we're on and reach out. But I would love to have you on. Here's the stipulations. I got to do a, I, I love doing the live show. I love it. 6.30 p.m. on Sundays. I love doing it. I think consistency is key. So if we keep doing it on the regular every Sunday, 6.30, so I don't want to mix it up. So if you can do that, if you can do Sundays, 6.30 p.m., whatever your time zone is, we can do it. We can connect. 
Uh, so let me know. I would love to have everybody on, uh, or some good people, I should say, some good people on. And there are some great people that have been reaching out and putting in good on the Discord channel, um, adding some great content. Torsten, I'm talking about you, Thor. And uh, and so I think we could do this. I think we can get together a good group of people through the the people that listen to the show that that would be interested in doing it with me. So if you are reach out, let's connect, let's do like a, a mock trial run and see how it goes. And then uh, let's put something together. Anyways, I love you all. Thank you for joining the show. We are value for value, uh, time, talent, or treasure, whatever it means to you, whatever value you find in the show, throw that back our way in all those various forms. Uh, get with us, ufonopodcast.net. That's the hub, the portal to all things UFO No. And then, of course, as I mentioned, uh, join the Discord community. And uh, there's a whole bunch of different ways you can uh, chat with us there as well. So uh, welcome, everybody in chat. And everybody else, thank you so very, very much uh, for joining the show. But let's get right into it, shall we? Let's start with the Flatwoods Monster. So the Flatwoods Monster, uh, again, goes back to September 12th, 1952. And that night... Something strange landed in the tiny town of Flatwoods, West Virginia, and it has puzzled people for decades. And the creature, supposedly, that has been responsible has been dubbed the Flatwoods Monster. Now, imagine a town that is so small, its population didn't even hit 400 people today. Doesn't even hit that today, let alone back in 1952. Tiny. Tiny little town. Uh, So it was even smaller then. And on that evening, the entire town heard about it. The entire town. And apparently, the population went up by one. Uh, So the whole thing kicked off uh, during September evening. A bunch of kids were playing football at their school when suddenly they spotted something unbelievable. A bright, fiery object zoomed across the sky right above them. Kids were in total shock. Uh, They were staring at this thing that seemed to be either shaped like an egg or a circle and changing colors from orange to fiery red. And as the kids and their group watched, totally amazed, the object they saw in the sky started to come down super fast and landed on one of Flatwood's big hills. And you can imagine if I was a kid... I'm not sure how old these children were. It just says a bunch of kids. Uh, So I'm not really sure how old they were. But either way, if you are a kid, try and imagine, you know, I'm 40 now. So I'm trying to imagine what it was like to be. It's not that hard. I'm very mature. uh, So it's it's easy. I I always have the mentality of a 12 year old. So we're good. Uh, But anyways, imagine you're a kid and you're playing and you see something like that. Would you go towards it? Or would you run away? I'm I, I'm curious if you were that, which type of kid you were. Were you ballsy like that? Or were you uh, trepidatious? Like, uh, no, 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 no. We could uh, we could die. You know, I don't know. I, I would want to hope that I would be the type to run towards uh, the, the thing to see what was up. You know, being all brave and shit. But I don't know. I don't know if I really would or not. Um. So either way, they uh, end up going towards it. 
they want to go there. They're totally amazed. Um, so they team up with a uh, a local woman named Kathleen May, and there's somebody else named Eugene Lemon. And this is a guy who had just joined the U.S. Army, and apparently, <laughs> apparently, now imagine this. It's like a, it's like the beginning of a of a of a series. You know, you can you can imagine this thing coming down, crashing on the hillside. Some reason there's you know there's a, a lady Kathleen May is there. Like what I don't know, uh, hanging up laundry. What would she be doing in that area? I have no idea. But either way, um, she's somewhere around there. She sees it. And then the guy sees it, Eugene uh, Lemon, who's a, a military guy, sees it. The kids are right there. And what, do they all look at each other and then team up? Because that's what happened. They join up. They team up together. And uh, they all decide to go check it out. It sounds like the beginning of a series, doesn't it? Amazing. It's amazing. Like, they all just team up together. Strangers coming together to go check out an alien. Uh, so they didn't waste any time getting to the hill. And as it got darker, because remember, it's in the evening, so it's it's getting darker. Sun's going down. They noticed something bright shining through the trees. And they felt as though it was not something normal, like car headlights or something else. So they believe things that are, are going to get weird. So they are they are hit by this crazy smell. Kind of like sulfur, which is never a good sign, right? Like uh, Mr. C always says is that uh, sulfur is demons. And if you watch the show Supernatural, it's always demons. It's always demons with sulfur. So is it, uh, what else could it be though? Clearly they're not, uh, they're not making eggs. So what, what would it be? What would it be? I wonder. What else could it be other than demon uh what would that be brimstone is that what it is is that what's associated with brimstone i don't know either way they keep going because they're wanting to find out what's on the hill and what is up with those lights so suddenly they hear a crackling noise and they see two glowing red eyes coming closer to them kathleen may Thinking quick, shines her flashlight towards the eyes and sees this massive floating monster. Kind of looked like a human, but it was about 10 feet tall. Had this huge shape behind its head, making it look like the Ace of Spades card. And if you're watching, I have an image of it up right now. Um. So it's interesting that it had this thing on the back. It kind of reminds me of, uh, do you remember the show Stargate, the movie, and then the series? Great series, great movie. But remember the, like, the head thing that they would wear? Uh, what are those called? I can't remember what those are called. But it, it kind of is uh, reminiscent of, like, Egyptian... Uh, you know, like eagle head or, you know, a, a, a lion's head or whatever, the the uh, Anubis, you know, things like that. So it kind of reminds me of that. Could it have been a futuristic uh, 
I mean, 10 feet tall, you wouldn't think it would be a human, although it looked human. So it makes you wonder, like, what what could it have been? Could it have been future human time travelers going back to 1952 and landing and meeting with them? Or could it have really been uh, like an alien or a robot? Oh, uh, either way, they uh, the way they describe its lower body, part of the body is shaped weird like an ice cream cone with wires and stuff hanging out. So was it like floating? People later thought it might have been in some sort of remote-controlled machine. Or maybe it was the remote-controlled machine. Maybe, maybe. So when the creature started shooting what looked like laser beams from its eyes, oh my God. The group lost their bravery and ran like crazy. Yeah, I think I would probably do the same thing. I think I, I definitely think I would run if it started shooting lasers. But how sweet, though. Uh, uh, an alien robot that is shooting lasers out of its eyes. Badass. I want one. Um, so they all ran like crazy. And made it to uh, Kathleen's house. And uh, some of the kids got really sick. And they attributed it to the terrible smell, the sulfur smell. But why? What? how would that make them sick, though, I wonder? How would that make them sick? I'm not sure. I mean, it, would it be one of those things like it could have been that it smelled like sulfur, but it was some type of... Uh, poison gas or or toxic gas of some kind i don't know i don't know but if they attribute it to the smell it makes you think it's some form of gas you know toxic something uh so kathleen calls the cops shaking while she's doing it but they're already looking into what they thought was a plane crash Nearby, as in the police were already looking into this plane crash, but there was no plane ever found. So people thought that the UFO, the so-called plane, were the same thing. Interesting, interesting. Could it have been, well, I mean, it could have been anything, you know, really. But because Flatwoods is such a small place, I mean, again, uh, 400 people now. So, you know, what could have been? You know, in some cases, now towns are small when really at the time they may have been bigger. So, but I, I would imagine there's some record that shows that they were never any bigger than maybe 400. I don't know. But either way, it's such a small place that everyone heard about it super fast, which happens in small areas. The local news, even the U.S. Air Force got involved, but no one could figure out what the monster was. By the time they started looking, it was gone. Interestingly, it isn't too far, Flatwoods, from another town in West Virginia, as in Point Pleasant, where... There was a similar red-eyed creature called the Mothman that was supposedly spotted 1966 to 1967. We've talked about that before. I won't go into it a lot. 
right here. But uh, the Mothman is very, another very interesting uh, case. Point Pleasant. Uh, you know, one of these days we'll do a Mothman. I don't remember. Did we already do that? I don't think so. But I'm, you know, it's been scattered throughout some of these uh, episodes that we've done talking about uh, various creatures and sightings and cryptids and whatnot. I'm sure that uh, that Mothman has come up in the past. Uh, but uh, yeah, very interesting. There's a lot of them. So in um let's let's talk about the Roswell incident. So everything to do with the Flatwoods monster again is even though it's very popular in folklore, there isn't a lot of I don't believe maybe I'm talking out of turn here, but I don't believe there's a lot of evidence that points towards the Flatwoods monster being real. It's a lot of stories you know, embedded in culture that have to do with it. Same thing with the Mothman. Uh, you know, and everybody, I mean, it's like the UFO topic. You know, there's people that believe there is legitimate evidence that points to UFOs. There's people that believe there is definitive evidence of aliens. Uh, I don't think that's the case. I think what you have is you have a lot of people that want to believe in these things and you have a lot of people that are in government that want to believe in these things. And then you have what seems to be a concerted effort by government or somebody to turn the pot with bullshit that is not meant to turn people away from aliens and UFOs, but to reaffirm UFOs and aliens. Again, I, you know, Richard Doty, I mention him a lot. I mention him a lot because he is our reference to the greatest evidence that the UFO and alien narrative, for lack of a better word, has been conjured up for various reasons in history to cover up certain things that were happening at the time. And that's what I believe. I believe that there I believe that that the the entire UFO narrative has been drummed up to do just this. And you know, maybe there's people, you know, like Philip Corso that claim he was there again in his book uh, in 97. Mind you, in 1997, we're already talking about 50 years, 50 years after Roswell. And he comes forward saying he was there. I mean, that is, I mean, that's a lot of time to absorb all the information in culture that references Roswell and then and then find a way to blend that all together in your own tale of how you were there. And then you could, oh, oh, I spilled the beans on this and I spilled the beans on that by by adding a few details that no one else said. I mean 
you know, take it for what you will. There's people that believe that Philip Corso is like, you know, his book, Day After Roswell, is gospel. That it's that it's not even it's not even debated that it's true. Uh, whereas I think like you could easily you could easily debate whether it's true or not. You know, um, here's the book actually, the day after Roswell. So Philip J. Corso, uh, along with Bill Burns, who if you're not if you don't know who Bill Burns is. Uh, go and watch the show UFO Hunters because that is Bill Burns. That's the Bill Burns that they're talking about. Uh, so Philip Corso, two people that desperately want to believe in this phenomenon, and I'm not saying there's anything against that, but there's a lot of confirmation bias in those cases. So they write this book together, Corso and Burns. And it was a big deal because it claimed to spill the beans on what really went down in Roswell. According to Corso in the book, who used to work with President Eisenhower, dealt with foreign tech in the Army, got thrown into the middle of the Roswell UFO crash in 47, and he said that the job that Roswell changed his life and even... Uh, uh, goes into how history unfolded because he ended up working with alien tech from the crash site that supposedly led to advancements like uh, chips, circuit chips, fiber optics, which I'm going to go into that a little bit more. But uh, the book didn't hold back, according to a lot of people. They say, oh, boy, he really just let it all out there. Uh, again, a lot of it can't be corroborated because nobody can, uh, you know, his co-workers never came forward to corroborate any, you know, any of what he said about what he saw or what was there. Uh, there was nobody. Nobody else that he served with at the time of 1947 came forward with him. But he he said that he, you know, the whole thing was covered up, Roswell, um, including what they found that he said was bodies. And they weren't just any aliens. They were actually biological robots made by some super advanced alien race that we've never met. Now, I've pointed out multiple times how Grush, as in David Grush, the modern UFO whistleblower, is not saying anything new because that is exactly what Philip Corso uh, alleged in 97, was that there was crash retrieval programs, Roswell was one of them, and that there were bodies, human biologics, or I'm sorry, alien biologics, as they say, non-human. So he's not saying anything new. He's just making it out as though it's some revolutionary statement. Grush is, you know, that, oh, look what I'm saying. Dude, you're a new face that is spitting out the same shit that we've been hearing forever. Same shit. But either way, Corso claims he worked on 
reverse engineering alien tech leading to technological advancements from reverse engineering like integrated circuits, fiber optics, super strong materials, lasers, night vision that all influenced modern technology. Here's what I'll say. Along with that, guess who was credited with a lot of with night vision? With a lot of different technology. It was the Nazis. And if you look at the time frame of what was going on in 1947, in 1945, you had the greatest transfer of technology and scientific minds in Operation Paperclip. In 1945, two years later, you just happen to have this wave of UFO crashes that that cover up and and it seemed to explain to a really nosy group of people where we got it. And it wasn't Nazis. So the U.S. government didn't even have to acknowledge that they did anything fucking crazy, which was give immunity to at least 1,600 Nazi scientists, immunity. And some of these guys were the worst. You know, talk about, uh, you know, insane uh, human experiments that were done. I'm sure that a lot of these Nazi scientists were involved in that shit. But it's, but we're not going to know. We're not going to know. Because, oh, because, oh, oh, it all comes from reverse engineered alien craft. We, it, didn't, it didn't come from a deal with Nazis. No way. It was aliens. It was aliens. It works to their benefit. It works to their benefit. Because all they got to do is keep claiming, no, we don't. No, we didn't do that. We didn't do that. We, didn't, we don't reverse engineer alien craft. And t- technically, if they're not, they're telling the truth. But the truth is, is that they got it from Nazis. I think that's what the cover-up was, that they were covering up their shenanigans with the Nazis. Wrapping up the war with a bow. All clean up. No loose ends. None. Imagine that. Imagine that Hitler just kills himself. So convenient. So convenient. There are a lot of claims made about Roswell. A lot of them. And there is no credible, no solid, concrete evidence to back any of it up. Any of it. Aside from other testimonials from other people who claim they have inside knowledge too, or they heard someone who heard someone who heard someone. There's a lot of bold claims, but no evidence. Why is it that after 76 years, almost a hundred years, people, we have never seen a shred of material people claim oh fiber optics night vision super super powerful materials when i have highlighted multiple times where there are things coming out that have been developed by darpa and of course you could argue that they've got it from reverse engineer craft of course you can i can argue they got it from superman that doesn't make it true 
But what we do know is that people have been working on these things for a long time. A long time. And let's not forget, okay, the advancements in our own understanding of physics. Oh, before I do that, before I do that, let's go into the idea from Nigel Kerner and Danielle Silverman, okay? So they kind of revive the Roswell thing uh, because Danielle Silverman threw out some big questions like whether these alien visitors from Roswell were some kind of demonic trick or tech-savvy creations from another world. Again, kind of Philip Corso's idea that uh, they may have been, you know, the greys were some kind of super-advanced robotics designed by an advanced race, like, a, like drones or probes, something of that kind. Uh, she leans towards the idea that the greys are high-tech robots sent out to explore the universe, which is understandable. That kind of makes sense. I mean, it's like we send out rovers, which I'm skeptical of, but uh, only because when you look at the speed in which they are going, less than a mile an hour on an entire planet, the idea is clearly not to explore the planet. It is to sit in one spot relatively forever. Because how long is it going to take you? It's going to take you a long fucking time to go anywhere at one mile per hour on an entire planet. It's absurd. It's absurd. And it all looks like, and I'm talking about Mars, it all looks like Arizona. I've said this. I've said this. Red sand, blue skies. They have a Mars training site in Arizona. Do you need more dots to line up to the fact that Mars is Arizona? That's what they're showing us. Mar Mars might actually exist. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I'm just saying I don't think we're there. Or maybe we are there, but we don't have a rover going less than a mile an hour. Or maybe we do, and we're just dumbasses for belief. I, I, I don't know. It just blows my mind to think about that. It blows my mind to think about, a, a, of all of our technology, we have a rover going less than a mile per hour. <sighs> it's gay. But anyways, let's... So, they believe that, that that's what they sent out, but that these... Advanced beings deal with wear and tear over time due to the laws of physics. Now, let's talk about the advancement of the laws of physics, okay? I'm not saying that I have a super understanding of physics. But let's, if we're talking about a super advanced group of beings that are According to Corso, Silverman, Kerner, these people that are coming up with these theories, that these super advanced beings that are designing robots to go out and travel the universe, all very high tech, that their laws of physics 
are bound the way ours is. Okay, so let's start with this. Let's start with how our own understanding of physics has evolved in 50 years, let alone a thousand years in advancement of what a lot of people say these alien beings are. So let's talk about cosmology. The idea that there are scientists that are using tools to learn more about the universe One of them called the cosmic microwave background radiation helps us understand what the universe was like in its early days. Okay, studying things like dark matter, dark energy. Then you have the gravitational waves where scientists have built machines to detect ripples which confirmed the idea from... Einstein, and that there's new telescopes that are seeing things in space that we could never see before, and then you talk about astrophysics, finding black holes, neutron stars. They even took a picture of a black hole, if we believe everything that's coming out of that. And then string theory. And beyond string theory. Think about that. It's this, it's the 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 idea that that uh quantum gravity loops. You know, I mean these are like I don't even understand things like string theory. But all I'm getting at is this. If you have a super advanced race of beings super advanced a thousand years in advancement than us that are that are oh they're bound due to wear and tear they're bound by the laws of physics but you think that they haven't moved beyond physics if they're just dipping in and out of time and space and energy and whatnot that they're just bound by physics that they're using regular materials like plastic and metal that are susceptible to physics like what why why would they do, why would they not have moved well beyond that to energy based it's such limited thinking it's limited thinking to believe that there's these little plastic or metal beings that are sent out that, oh, no, but over time they just wear and tear. Think about AI right now. It can travel the entirety of the Internet, the entirety of the Internet in moments, in moments. They wouldn't have a handle on quantum mechanics and quantum physics to allow them to shrink down or travel through the quantum realm to get somewhere quicker and faster. So it it's not, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's limited thinking. And you know why? Because those people were coming up with these theories back in the 90s. We've moved well beyond that. Well beyond that. So have aliens. If they are aliens... And if they are sending advanced robotics our way, you really think they're just wrapped up in something that's going to take wear and tear? They're not finding a way to fix that? That blows my mind. 
and I'm dumb and I'm talking about that. So, I mean, of course aliens are. They've moved beyond it is what I'm saying. So, I that's what I don't understand is how would they not have moved beyond our physics, their own physics, physics in general? How would they not have moved beyond that? Uh, the other thing was, is according to Silverman, they are after souls that don't wear over time. And that's what they want is our souls because that's something that even with their advanced technology, they can't grasp is souls and, uh, they can't achieve it on their own, so they need ours. So, according to them, uh, what were their names again? It was uh, Kerner and Silverman. Danielle Silverman, Nigel Kerner. According to them, the super smart alien robots, known as the Greys, are on a wild mission to try and figure out how to live forever, because unlike us, they don't have what you'd call a soul and they can't experience life after death. So they're trying to hack into human genetics, hoping to piggyback on our ability to have a soul, which is something they can't naturally do. So Danielle Silverman suggests that these aliens are chasing what seems like an impossible dream because without a soul, they can't truly understand or achieve eternal life. And I keep thinking that it's it's all about the soul. There's no biological way. There's no way to splice DNA or manipulate genetics and cells to stop aging. There's already science out there that is trying to do that. Us, we lowly humans in the scale of intelligence compared to aliens. Everybody wants to believe that aliens are super advanced and super intelligent. But then when it comes time to actually think about how these aliens are thinking, guess what? Everyone's limited by their human imagination. And everybody wants to be special. Everybody wants to have the tastiest, juiciest soul that that said alien wants to have. Oh, oh, the soul. It's so finger-licking. We don't even know it exists. A lot of this is wrapped up in religious rhetoric. Demons angels souls good and evil why isn't it just nature it it couldn't be that uh that naturally nature if the universe our planet's 13 billion years old the universe is however many billions of years old so in all that time nature didn't find a way naturally it's got to be about souls and angels and demons i just find it very convenient that we us humans are just wrapped up in this cosmic back and forth that we're the we're the you know we're the poor 
a child struggling in the divorce of who's going to get custody, the evil ones or the good ones. You know, like we're in divorce court, humans in earth. Like what the fuck? I'm not saying that humans aren't special. I think that we have a much richer history than what is portrayed in mainstream. And I don't know if it involves aliens or not. I think it involves super intelligent humans. And maybe we did get some things from aliens. I don't know. Could it be that aliens came down and engineered us? Maybe. But all this, you know, that, oh, our tasty, juicy soul that everybody wants, is, it's, it's, too, it's too much. It's too much. It's too human-centric. And if it really is an advanced race out there that is so far advanced, they can connect with us telepathically when they abduct us. They can abduct us whenever they want, according to this, you know, uh, a treaty that was signed by Eisenhower and uh, the aliens. So if you believe all this, then they can just do whatever the fuck they want. So why don't they? Why don't they? Why don't they just scoop us up and take what they want like we do with animals? It's so convenient that, oh, there's these limitations and, oh, evil has to broadcast and tell you what they're going to do before they do it. Oh, wow, that's so convenient. So we'll never get surprised because they're going to put it on, you know, somewhere. They're going to tell us somewhere on a Snickers bar. They're going to announce to us what they're doing. Like, it's just like nature doesn't work that way. Nature doesn't, you know what I mean? I mean, I guess it gives you signs. I mean, when there's a a circular cyclone cloud, it's telling you tornadoes coming, high winds, you know, big clouds, uh, hurricanes coming, uh, waves pull out into the ocean before a tsunami. So maybe there are signs. Maybe there are, maybe there really are things that even nature gives us clues to tell us what's about to happen. I don't know. It's just hard for me to wrap my mind around that it, you know, it's souls and it's, you know, it's aliens and it's, it's hard for me to believe all that, but I don't understand calculus, but it's real. So I don't, maybe, uh, so then the Nigel guy, uh, this Nigel, uh, what was his name again? I keep forgetting. Kerner, Uh, He has his own theory. The best way to zip across the universe isn't through a regular space travel. I like where this guy's going so far, but through something called the zero point field. The zero point field. All right. So I had to look this up because I know I've heard it, but I wasn't sure what it was. So here it is. Imagine the universe is like a big invisible ocean filled with tiny waves of energy called the zero-point field. Even in the quietest parts of space where it seems like nothing is, the energy is buzzing, making things pop in and out of existence really quick. Scientists even believe that this energy might explain some of the weird things in 
the tiny world of quantum physics. And it could also be used in the future for practical things like new kinds of energy, even changing how gravity works. Again, going back to what we've discovered, our level of physics is way beyond what was being talked about in the 50s and the 90s even. Way beyond. So I believe a thousand years advanced aliens is going to be way beyond physics. Way beyond. And I'm a dumbass. So again, I'm talking from a dumbass perspective. So if I'm saying something that that reflects that dumbassery, Why are you surprised? Just correct me. Send me something that says, hey, you're a dumbass and you're wrong. Here's the evidence. Please, I I love it. I love it. I love being told when I'm wrong because then I know, oh, hey, I was wrong and I'll never do it again. But I'd love to have an argument with you. I'd love it. Um, I like his idea. I like that idea. He thinks that when we die, we can pop in and out of other places in the universe, skipping huge distances, insane speeds that are normally required for space travel. You're just popping in and out, baby. I like that. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Is that level of ability, if they truly are advanced, would they not be able to think about Endgame? You remember Endgame, Avengers, Marvel's Endgame? Beautiful movie, loved it. I don't know how you feel about the Avengers films, but let me tell you, I love them. I love them. They were so good, so good. But anyways, Endgame, think about the time travel aspect. Of that's exactly what they did. They traveled through the quantum realm in order to go back in time and different times at the same time, I know, in order to accomplish their goal. Now imagine being able to do that. That would be so cool. Crazy, but cool. So he believes that the Greys, being robots can survive these trips through space because they are built tough. But they're also trying to figure out humans. And now humans move beyond physical limits when we die. And I, now that is something I like because what he's touching on there is consciousness. And you can call that the soul. You can call that whatever you want. But the idea that that is something that maybe does make us unique is our consciousness. And again, maybe that is the soul. And I I am, I subscribe to the idea. To me, the, the idea that I find most comforting and beautiful and amazing is the idea that like you know the cloud right the data cloud what if we our we we are the universe we come from the universe 
And we are energy that takes similar to the way that the planets form by having this energy that pulls in materials, you know, gravity, which still, I mean, we don't know if it's gravity for sure. We're still trying to figure that out. We don't understand gravity, but we think that it's gravity that pulls in all this material that builds up a planet. What if humans put out so much energy that we, that's how we form or the first ones. And then from then on, now we breed. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know all of it, but all I'm getting at is once we die, our consciousness that is inside this vessel, as a lot of people consider it, is then released and it goes back to because we are already connected to at all times dreams inspiration uh intuition uh the you know all these things that that seem to we find synchronicities that's all energy that's that's bound to this cloud and that once we are now unfurled, I don't know, (laughs) released from this physical housing that it then goes back into where it came from, which is the universe, the cloud, and that we dip in and out. And maybe we go, you know, maybe this idea of past lives that we go in and out, we, we, we take some energy with us that remembers, I don't know, I don't know. But I I do feel like there is something. There is something inside everyone that does leave them. And it's not just, oh, life. No, it's, it's something. Something that makes them them. And then it's gone. So where does it go? That's what I, and I like this idea that maybe we can do the same thing because death isn't, like a lot of people say, it's not the end, it's not heaven, it's not hell. Death is a release that now allows your consciousness to do exactly what Nick, Nigel, <laughs> not Nick, Nigel, says, is being able to pop in and out anywhere in the universe. God, how amazing. I would love to do that. I would love that. I really hope that's the case. I, to me, that just, uh, I, I love that idea. I love that idea. I love it. It's a beautiful thought. Beautiful thought. So, let's go into a Another case of a monster that that some could argue is uh, a robot. But let's see. So totally different topic, but uh, it comes from Idaho, which is uh, where I'm around. And Lake Pend Oriole is massive, stretching 40 miles, reaching depths of 1,000 feet. Some say it's got its own version of Loch Ness Monster called the Paddler. 
There have been sightings since 1940s, with one of the craziest encounters happening in 1985 when Julie Green and her friends saw something huge moving in the water. Wasn't a wave, but it looked like something alive. Then in 96, another family spotted what looked like a giant gray thing in the lake, like an elephant's back. Obviously, not an elephant because I don't believe there's any elephants swimming around in lakes in Idaho, but some think that Paddler might be an undiscovered animal, as in prehistoric, something that's still around, but an even wilder theory by Patrick uh, Hugh, I believe. It's H-U-Y-G-H-E. Dude, what the fuck? Hugh? 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 How do you spell that? I don't know how that H-U-Y-G-H-E. What the fuck, dude? Anyways, either way, Pat dug deep into the Paddler mystery, and he points out that the first time anyone mentioned Paddler was from the Navy's Farragut Naval Training School on the lake back in 1942. So after Pearl Harbor in 41, the U.S. built the Farragut Naval Training Station, FNTS, at Lake Pend, Oriel, Idaho, where about 290,000 military personnel trained during World War II. But after the war, the Navy's focus at the lake shifted with Acoustic Research Department, ARD, stepping up its game. They started working on some pretty cool tech for the Navy, like creating special equipment and platforms for experiments, including making submarines quieter and harder to detect in a lake in Idaho. Amazing. Uh, So they started doing some experiments, and there is people that wonder if some of these experiments or their equipment could have been mistaken for this lake monster, this paddler that people were seeing. Because again, it was kind of a secretive deal. Uh, Interesting. Interesting. So there's another story, similar idea, another creature uh, from the 1950s, Falls City, Nebraska, a guy who went by... Uh, John Hanks, not his real name because uh, he didn't want anybody to figure out who he was, so take that for what you will. But he had an encounter that is straight out of a movie. He is uh, Ken Gerhard, an expert on flying creatures, even looked into it and was stumped. So here's the story. Uh, 1956, Hanks comes across a giant creature over nine feet tall that looked kind of human, but definitely wasn't. And I'm curious. I'm curious. Again, back to the Flatwoods monster and this. What makes it human-like? The fact that it was bipedal? I mean, because clearly the other one was 10 feet tall, not human. Uh... So what what was it? this one's nine feet tall? So clearly it's not the height that makes it seem human. I'm thinking it's the idea that it was on two legs, as in humanoid. Uh, keep that in mind. So 
This guy says that the thing had massive wings, 15 feet wide. Holy shit. But you know what else has a giant wingspan? Bald eagles. Like 12 feet, 12 feet. So that's, I mean, I'm not saying this is a bald eagle, but I'm just saying there are some very, very um, massive animals that actually exist today. But um, the thing that he says that was very interesting about this is he said that it seemed to be wings, but they were 15 feet wide and shiny metal like aluminum attached to its body like a cyborg. And the wings had all uh, kinds of colored lights underneath it. And the creature had a metallic panel on its chest. Crazy. Hanks, now Hanks assumed that that panel in the uh, chest was to help it fly. I mean, it could be anything. It could help it breathe. It could be whatever. But as if that wasn't crazy enough, the creature's face, as he said, was downright scary. Like something out of a horror movie. Skin like old leather and big spooky eyes. And it made a hissing sound that freaked Hanks out. But then the creature took off into the sky, disappeared, never seen in Fall City again or John Hanks. Nobody knows who he is. And it could be, maybe, could it be, that it was somebody, maybe the military, maybe some private company that was testing some kind of flying mechanism, an inventor that made a, a flying machine. But again, the height of what uh, John says it was, nine feet high, and the crazy face, leather face, big eyes. But again, if it's leather face, big eyes, Think about a mask with like goggles, light up goggles. If it was technologically advanced, again, Arthur C. Clarke, maybe it didn't look like magic, but it's not going to resemble technology either or a mix of both in this case. He believed that it was like a cyborg type thing. Interesting, huh? Very interesting. So now here's another one. So let's get into... Some robots and sex. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there is a, a person, Mac Tonys, author, explored some of these ideas about robots and sex. Um, he passed away in 09, but he wrote a book. Um, I'm sorry, he didn't write a book. He wrote an article. And it was kind of based on the idea of um, Blade Runner. Did you ever see Blade Runner, the original? I actually watched the uh, the new one, Blade Runner 2049 with Ryan Gosling. Really good movie. Great movie. Uh, Blade Runner is a great concept. It's, it's amazing. I mean, uh, you got to love Daryl Hannah in it as Pris the pleasure robot. Um, 
looking like a fucking lead singer of a punk rock band. Um, but in it, she's a robot that is has her own personality and individuality. And um, what sparked this author, Mac, his fascination with this was the potential for sex between humans and robots. And he believed that by today's standards or even back in his, you know, early 2000s before he died in 09, the technology involved in like advanced sex toys was pretty basic. And even now, I mean, it's not like it's, I mean, they have things like the, what's, what is it? The, uh, the auto blow that's like, uh, it does, like it's basically a blowjob machine and it's got like all these crazy settings and you can use your phone. I've never used it. Never used it. Why, why, why would I? I've never, no, but it's cool. Anyways, it's a, it's a, a fascinating idea, but the way his, he's thinking is like, he believed that in from 20 years from when he was thinking about this, that the technology would get so advanced that people might prefer robots to human sex partners. And even though you might think right off the bat, like, oh, wow, what a loser. Couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't get with a girl or, you know, whatever. The Well, think about a couple of things. So one, the idea that there are a lot of hangups and downsides to trying to meet new people. You know, like me, I've been in a long-term relationship for a while and it's nice not having to like worry about that, like worry about trying to meet somebody and get to know someone. I've already found the best. So that's what I mean is like, I, I don't have to worry, but imagine you haven't. You know, imagine you haven't, you can't, you've got this idea that you, you'll you never meet that special someone. Um, not only that, like, you know, the downside of like meeting someone that breaks your heart, that, uh, you know, takes advantage of you, all these scenarios that suck when it comes to dating. And I don't even know, because again, I've been in a relationship for 10 years, but there are people that I can imagine would enjoy a, a relationship with a robot that's tailored to you versus trying to find someone that gets you. I mean, there's those AI, what, what is it? AI replicate, replica, replicate, whatever the fuck. Um, there's all these AI things that you can get for your phone that acts as a girlfriend or whatever. I mean, it's crazy, but we're there. We're right there. All you got to do is put that same ideas. Let somebody put together their own. Like, imagine all you need to do is take one of those advanced, the real sex dolls, you know, like the sex dolls that look super real, and then add, which maybe they already have, but add in that idea of building a personality on your phone into the sex doll. And boom, there you got it. There you've got it. Now you add in the, the, you know, the actual humanoid robots that they're building. Shit, dude, you've got pleasure bots right there. There you go. 
And to a lot of people, it wouldn't even have to look that human. You know what I mean? I mean, there's some real freaks out there. You know, like some, I would imagine if it had feet, they'd be okay. <laughs> you know, people with feet, foot fetish. I don't know. I don't know. What 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 would it take for you to have sex with a, a pleasure bot, a, a sexy robot? What would it take? I wonder. I don't know. But there's people out there like this Tony guy, Mac Tony, that says, well, shit, I mean, as long as the robots looks human, indistinguishable from a human pores and everything else, well, he'd do it. How many people would? I mean, think about this. Think about the idea of like, imagine, you know, there's those scenarios where there's like a, a tranny that is like not telling people that he's a she or she's a he or whatever. And then somebody finds out right mid whatever the business and then gets all freaked out or maybe is into it. Well, how long before we're doing that before there's these pleasure bots, these, these really sexy humans out there, not humans, robots that are cruising around like humans Nobody could tell the difference, and you don't know until you get in there. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, shit, you're a robot? Huh? Would it turn you off, turn you on? I wonder. I wonder what everybody's preference would be. I'm very curious about that. I mean, I think it would be, I mean, we're right there. Again, I mean, you have people that already buy sex dolls that are don't have personalities. They're just a, a doll, realistic feeling and looking doll that's totally lifeless, and they'll fuck that. So how far before we're, it's like, well, now it has a personality. And not only that, it's a personality you can tweak and fine-tune to make exactly what you want. Dude, crazy. Crazy. <laughs> that would be nuts, man. That'd be absolutely nuts. So now let's switch gears a little bit, okay? So let's get away from robots and sex, and let's talk about men in black. We've done a whole episode, me and Mr. C, about men in black. But it was more for from the perspective of, like, you know, what their purpose is. You know, Mr. C was thinking they're more, again, he's more on the religious side of it, saying demons, angels, good versus evil. I'm on the other side of it, not on the other side, but just a different perspective, saying that they're all disinformation agents, like Robert, uh, Robert Richard Doty. But there's a theory out there that these men in black might actually be robots there's a researcher uh gareth medway points out that they talk in some cases in some testimonials and claims of meeting these men in black that they pointed out that they talk like they're reading from a script and walk in a weird stiff way and they seem to be again in certain claims they seem to be totally clueless about food they don't even know what it is. 
suggesting that they might be powered from something else. And then there's, uh, you know, that maybe they are actually robots. It could, I mean, again, going from the, the premise that I bring up a lot, which is what's actually behind closed doors as far as technology goes. How far advanced is the world's technology behind closed doors, locked up in black budget projects, secret, you know, defense contractors, who knows what all is entailed. Might there actually be an autonomous robot, humanoid, that is sent out in some cases? Could it be, you know, I mean, it's a much easier way than like a Manchurian candidate style. It's much easier to just have a robot as opposed to having to brainwash someone, be much easier to just program somebody. But maybe, maybe they're not robots. Maybe they are people under control. And they're clueless about food simply because they want it, but they can't actually do it because they're programmed to only move and say and do things based on who's in control. So maybe that's why they seem clueless about food because they seem so enamored by it because they're probably starving people under the control of some devious bastards. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's robotic-like behavior. Maybe. But now let's take a dive into the 70s and let's talk about the $6 million man, baby. The $6 million man. Have you guys seen this show? I mean, my God. God damn it. I keep going to the wrong one. <laughs> Check this out. Here's the here's a little piece of the intro from uh, the $6 million man to familiarize yourself. Steve Austin, astronaut. A man barely alive. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. We have the capability to make the world's first bionic man. Steve Austin will be that man. Better than he was before. Better. Stronger. Faster. Yeah, buddy. Oh, my God, you got to love it. That's so rad. It's so awesome. I mean, it's amazing. Just punch in, you know, go and look up on YouTube some of the $6 million man episodes. It's amazing. Amazing. What what an amazingly great show, and yet so campy at the same time. But holy shit, dude. Holy shit, that show was all the rage. All the rage. Lee Majors is Steve Austin, former astronaut who becomes a super-powered government agent with a horrific accident. Imagine surviving a crash that costs you your legs, right arm, and left eye. Sounds like game over. Not for Austin. Top secret agency called the Office of Scientific Intelligence. 
or OSI, steps in and rebuilds him with bionics, turning him into a cyborg hero way before RoboCop was a thing. Dude, and this show was a massive, massive hit. Massive hit. Everybody loved it. And it's a great show. Still to this day, it's a great show. It's a great show. And from that, in fact, from that, they even spawned, going back to this, they even spawned the Bionic Woman! Amazing. Good old spinoff, man. (laughs) But there is an episode. There is an episode uh, called uh, The Secret of Bigfoot, a two-part adventure from 76. And the story is that two geologists, Ivan and Marlene, disappear while monitoring earthquakes and then Steve Austin, the $6 million man, by the way, $6 million today, uh, would not build a bionic man. But either way, of course, he gets involved in finding the missing geologists because they are working with OSI, and the plot thickens when he discovers giant footprints leading to an encounter with Bigfoot itself, who is played by Andre the Giant. Super cool. But check out this out again welcome everybody in chat love to have you thanks for joining the show but here is a little clip from the fight scene between bigfoot yeah bigfoot by andre the giant and uh the six million dollars look at this Good 70s entertainment, people. Good 70s entertainment. How beautiful is that? But either way, the episode, there was a twist. It turns out Bigfoot was a high-tech robot under alien control from a hidden base. So Austin is abducted by aliens, and then he goes to the West Coast, and there's a massive uh, earthquake an evacuation, and they threaten to detonate a nuclear device. Anyways, you got to find the episode. You got to watch it for yourself because it is incredible. It's incredible. (laughs) Oh, amazing. Good stuff. Good stuff. But the idea is, What are extraterrestrials? What are aliens? As as 
there is clearly a phenomenon, a phenomena that exists. Um, you know, going back in history, it's it's you know into ancient writings. There's clearly something to this alien idea. But as I've pointed out before, with the evolution of our technology, it seems that alien technology has evolved, as in sightings. You know, it used to be all saucers and disks, and now it's like cubes within cubes and all lit up and, you know, flashy and portals and all that shit. So is it really that the aliens' technology has evolved with ours or seems to be evolving with ours or is it that because it's our technology is evolving therefore are we conjuring this stuff are we conjuring the phenomenon i don't know but obviously what what we continue to point out is that and something I highlight a lot is that that you know people want to say what is what and they want to they want to say well we know it's aliens we know it's Bigfoot we know it's this we know it's that the world the universe is filled with as we said with with quantum energy you know zero point energy there there's something everywhere there is no such thing as empty space so what is this and if you start evolve involving things like human souls and that maybe we're being harvested for that and and farmed for that 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 starts taking on a very uh creepy and scary kind of a an intrigue to it because i you know i mean shit if that's what i mean how do you get away from that how do you get how do you get away from something like that an advanced alien race that is harvesting human souls or farming them or i mean whatever it's it's that's uh that's terrifying. So as I say all the time, you know, I'd love to know your thoughts. I'd love to know your thoughts on what you think about the idea, the, the, the premise that maybe aliens or what we're seeing of aliens are actually robots, an advanced uh, technology from advanced aliens. What do you think? What do you think about it? Could it be, could it be that aliens are actually just uh, robots in disguise? I really, you know what I really hope for? I really hope for fembots. That's what I want. That's what I want is fembots. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. It's facts and fuckery time. That's right, people. Facts and fuckery. And uh, 
I'm excited for this one. I got some. Oh, we're going to go deep. We're going to go deep. We're going to talk about a little Bill Gates. We're going to talk about a little Bill Gates, and I'm going to pre. I'm going to preface this with what I think about Bill Gates right off the bat. You're a cunt. Indeed, you are, sir. Indeed, you are. Uh, but let's start with before we get into Bill Gates. Uh, let's start with the moon. The moon, shall we? So, uh, in case you missed it, there have been some developments when it comes to. Getting to the lunar surface, a picture of the moon I bring you. But the first photo of the Odysseus, Odysseus, I'm sorry, I pronounced that wrong. The Odysseus lunar lander on the moon was released recently. It is the first U.S. spacecraft to softly land on the moon in over 50 years. The picture shows the spacecraft near its planned landing spot. If you see the picture, there is a little white arrow that is right in the middle right in the middle but that's apparently where it landed that little speck right there uh, again all the links will be in the show notes so you can check it out and stuff but um this is malapert a crater near the south pole of the moon which is the farthest south any vehicle has ever reached on the moon and more pictures are expected to come out soon but the landing was confirmed by images from nasa's lunar reconnaissance orbiter camera team odysseus landed at coordinates who gives a fuck at an elevation of who gives a shit uh, but despite some technical issues that nearly caused a delay, it successfully touched down on February 22nd, making it the first commercial lunar landing in U.S. history. So it is about a week, has about a week to collect data before darkness falls. Once it's dark, the spacecraft's solar panels won't be able to gather energy from sunlight, and it'll get very cold. The mission Controllers expect to be able to communicate with Odysseus until Tuesday morning. Now, that all seems well and good, right? I mean, oh, hey, all right, a private company got to the moon. Well, why can't NASA? Why can't SpaceX? Very interesting. I do have a little clip of something that I thought was interesting. So this is... um. A little blurb by PBS about uh, about this mission going to the moon and whatnot. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Hold on, folks. Hold on. I think my mouse just died. God damn it. <laughs> of course. Of course my mouse dies. Of course it died. On show day, which it has a tendency to do. On show day. I can't believe it, dude. I mean, it just. Hold on. I'm so sorry, everybody. I'm so sorry. But I really do need my mouse. I really do need my mouse. Very much so. God damn it. Where is my cord for my mouse? Normally, I have one right here. But right now, I cannot find it. I'm so sorry, everybody. I'm so sorry. I found it. I found it. I apologize sincerely. I apologize sincerely for the delay. My God, Jesus, how unprofessional. Anyways, 
Here I have a little blurb from PBS that I found very interesting about this, but it was prior to its launch. Now, listen to the words from this clip, okay? And let me know what you think. This lunar lander. The launch from NASA's Kennedy Space Center in Florida last week was perfect. But will a private company be the first ever to stick the landing? Which they did, but keep listening. This SpaceX rocket carried a lunar vehicle, the Odysseus, from a private company in Texas called Intuitive Machines. Odysseus, which is about the size of a golf cart with six legs, separated from the rocket and is sending back these images of Earth in its rearview mirror. It's scheduled to land on the moon on Thursday near the moon. Which it did. South Pole. The goal? Finding a way to put humans back on the moon for a long time. There are these permanently shadowed craters in the south polar region of the moon, and that's where NASA believes they will find frozen water. And that frozen water can be used both to support humans on the moon and then also to produce fuel uh, that could be used for the humans to either uh, come back to Earth from the moon or to go on to another location like Mars. The only time... So, they're making it work, right? So, uh, that's great, but why can't NASA do that? Why is it that NASA can't do that? Now, listen to this. This is a very interesting uh, wording right here. Time humans ever landed on the moon was this famous landing by the American Apollo mission in 1969. Okay. So, the only, listen to that again. The only time was this famous landing by the American Apollo mission in 1969. The only landing was one time in 1969. Am I mistaken in thinking that they landed seven more times between 1969 and 1972? So why is it? Now, again, I've, I've highlighted this. Why is it that multiple times NASA and other news agencies come out and say dumb shit like that? Is it really dumb? Is it just a mistake? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that they can't keep their goddamn story straight because of how much time has gone by. And now there's fewer and fewer people that even know the truth or what they think is the truth. As far as, you know, going to the moon, landing uh, seven times. I don't know. I'm curious. Four other nations have made unmanned trips to the moon, but the last private company to try failed a few weeks ago. And landing there is still very difficult, especially for a remote-controlled lander. As you know, the moon has a lot less gravity than the Earth does, but it also has no atmosphere, so there's very little to break your descent as you're uh, falling to the surface. Oh, it's so hard, and we only did it! We only did it in 1969 with nothing compared to what we have now. So that spacecraft has to know exactly when to turn on its engines and how much thrust to deploy and when to stop so that it can land softly on the moon without bouncing off the moon or crashing into the moon. Yeah, almost like we don't have any reference for how to do it right. You're telling me that you can't... 
You can't go to the guys who landed on the moon and say, hey, guys, how did you do it? But now it's so hard for a remote controlled lander. What the fuck? For years, NASA has been partnering with private space companies like the company Axiom Space, which sent up Turkey's very first astronaut last month. The partnerships are making space travel ultimately cheaper and more frequent. As for the solar-powered Odysseus, its mission ends in about a week when the sun won't be on the moon anymore. Anyways, I find it highly suspect, highly suspect. That we cannot get back to the moon right now. That they keep coming up with reasons why we can't get back to the moon. When keep in mind, the Apollo guidance computer in the command module, which by the way, let me see if I have a picture. Here's the command module. Okay, I have some pictures of this stuff. The... The... Apollo guidance computer had about, you ready for this? 64 kilobytes. 64 kilobytes of RAM. And almost, almost, not quite, 37,000 words of ROM. But despite all that, it could still do the complex tasks like navigation and calculations for the landing and everything else. 64 kilobytes. Kilobytes. People, do you understand what that means? Your, your, wallpaper on your phone the background on your phone is more than that especially if you have a dynamic background like i do but that's what i mean it's like what what and yet we can't get back bullshit bullshit So the other thing was, is I actually have a video of, let me see here. This is the Varda capsule re-entry. And I wanted to go over this with you only because I have a question. Okay, I have a question. Well, by the way, here's some more pictures from the Apollo mission. Look at this shit. Just toggles and switches. There's not a screen. There's no screens. There's no touch screen. There's no LED. There's nothing. And yet now, dude, that motherfucker would be lit up like, like what? Like a, like a, I don't even know what. It would be lit up like Chicago in there it's unreal it's unreal to believe that anything that they're saying look at the control panel look at this thing i mean it's just mind-boggling to think that we cannot get back Ugh. 
It just, it's gross. It's gross to me. Now, here, here's an interesting thing, okay? So here it was, a little clip, and I'm going to leave it muted because the sound is atrocious, but I have a question. I'm going to play this clip, and it is a, for those of you not watching, what this is, is this is a clip of the Varda capsule re-entering, going into space, and then re-entering Earth. And it's a, it, it was like a 27-minute video. I only clipped about a minute of it. But it is interesting how you can see, like, it shows what appears to be the Earth, what appears to be space, what appears to be the sun. And I'm saying what appears to be because, again, these days, a lot of things can be faked, people. A lot of things. So the sun goes by, but here's what's interesting. So here you can see the earth in the lower left-hand corner, and you can see the sun at the top, almost center. But what is missing from this video? What is missing from this clip? There are no stars. There are no stars whatsoever. And I know that there have been explanations for how this takes place, but I couldn't remember, so I had to do a little digging. And I know this is like a little tangent, but it, to me, it is, it's worth going over because I think it's part of the fuckery that is involved in what we're being shown. So the official explanation for the reason why stars can't be seen in videos from space is because the cameras are set up to capture bright objects like the Earth. And these cameras have short exposure times, meaning that they don't gather enough light to show the faint stars. And the contrast between the bright earth and the dim stars makes it hard for the camera to capture both. However, in this shot, in the video, there is no earth. There is no sun being shown. There is just black. So I'm like, well, then why is it that I can capture, and I have videos, capturing stars with my smartphone? And here's the official explanation. It is capturing stars with a phone camera is possible because you can adjust how long the camera gathers light, which helps capture the dim light of stars. Though not as sensitive as professional cameras, phone sensors have improved to capture starlight better, especially with longer exposures. Phone cameras also use algorithms to enhance low-light photos, making stars more visible. And less light pollution in darker areas improves star visibility in photos. Some phone apps let you adjust settings like exposure time, aiding in star photography. While not as powerful as specialized equipment that you think would be launching into space... Phones can still take impressive starry night photos with the right settings and conditions. So why won't they do that with space cameras? Why is it that they won't do that? I don't understand. I don't understand the reasoning for that. So if anybody has a reason or they have an alternative theory for why they believe we cannot take 
why there are no videos or footage of stars in space and yet and yet on earth with light pollution we can see stars not only with the naked eye but also with phone cameras and telescopes and whatnot so why is that why is that i'm very very curious all right now let's get into bill gates shall we let's get into bill gates all right so whoops wrong one so uh here's what we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about this dangay or dangu i think it's dangay fever surges 400 percent in brazil after bill gates backed gene edited mosquitoes released Here's the story. In the first five weeks of 2024, over 364,000 cases of dengue fever or infection, I'm sorry, have been reported according to the county's or country's health ministry, which is four times greater than previous cases in the same period of 2023. The dramatic spike in dengue cases has prompted Brazil to purchase millions of doses of dengue vaccine. Imagine that. Now, according to the, uh, according to the Guardian, let me bring up a story here for you. According to, and I'm going to show you everything so that we can see for yourself. But according to the Guardian, the rapid spread of dengue has caused 40 confirmed deaths and a further 265 are being investigated. Brazil has bought 5.2 million doses of dengue vaccine Odenga, developed by Japanese drug maker Takeda, with another 1.32 million doses, provided at no cost to the government, a ministry statement said. Three Brazilian states have declared emergencies, including the second most populous state, Minas Gerais, and the federal district, where the capital, Brasilia, is located and is facing an unprecedented rise in infections. Brasilia will start vaccinating children aged 10 to 14 on Friday with uh, Quidanga, the local government said on Wednesday. Cases of dengue in Brasilia since the start of the year have exceeded the total for the whole of last year, as in 2023, with a rate of infection of one and a half thousand, or I'm sorry, 1,625 cases per 100,000 inhabitants compared with the national average of just 170. The UN's World Mosquito Program announced in 2023 a plan to release billions of gene-edited mosquitoes. Mosquitoes in Brazil over a 10-year period in a bid to eradicate dengue fever in the country, according to Harvard Public Health, reported in August 2023, Brazilian health officials in five cities have been releasing clouds, clouds of lab-grown 80s 
Argypti mosquitoes, whatever the fuck that means, infected with Wolbachia bacteria, which prevents dengue virus transmission to humans. Clearly, that didn't work. The country will be the first to launch a nationwide program to release Wolbachia-modified mosquitoes, which are expected to protect up to 70 million people from dengue fever over the next 10 years. And it's building a factory to scale up mosquito production. Good Lord. Beginning 2024, the factory will mass produce 5 billion mosquitoes a year. Unreal, dude. Unreal. Now, after a year, after the uh, mosquito initiative began, dengue cases have risen sharply rather than fallen. So here it is. The World Mosquito Program receives $50 million grant from guess who? Bill and Melinda Gates. That's right. And the Bill and uh, Melinda Gates Foundation is also... Uh, bankrolling research into dengue fever vaccine. Look at this. Look at this. Amazing. Amazing. So then the Brazilian government purchases over 5 million doses of this uh, Quidanga dengue fever vaccine manufactured by Japanese drug maker, which I already went over, which also received millions of dollars in grants. And there's that. Millions of dollars. In other words, in other words, Bill Gates, all of his money is involved in all sides of this, from the gene editing mosquitoes, that apparently uh, has uh, made the dengue crisis worse, not better, to bankrolling companies who are providing the dengue fever vaccine. So it's a win-win. It's a win-win for good old Gates, isn't it? Isn't it? Amazing. Unbelievable. And for what reason? For what reason? Well, here's an interesting thing that maybe, maybe, now it might not lead into each other, but it certainly is odd that Bill Gates is involved in all of it. But now let's look at uh, him, his praising of India's digital ID system. All right, so India's digital ID system facing criticism, which is uh, good for those people who are against digitizing people's identities, but it's been praised by Bill Gates as one of the country's innovations that are changing the world. Gates, along with the EU and the UN, say that these systems, Digital Public Infrastructure, DPI, which refers to the introduction of digital IDs and payments by 2030, is great. They think it's great. And then he also announces in his dumb blog, that he is visiting India and highlighting the involvement of the Gates Foundation and what he calls efforts that are saving millions of lives. And I think, I think like a lot of people think, this is a reference to 
India's uh, production of this digital ID and uh, these vaccines also that are both of Gates' passion projects. As for DPI, Gates expressed his admiration for the country's massive biometric identity DPI component called ADAR and the fact that over 12 billion, 12 billion transactions are processed by it. Crazy. And of course, another passion of Bill Gates is agriculture. Of course, he made sure to note that he would be visiting and monitoring the center where agriculture meets Adhar. Get this. Get this. Get this. Okay? I had no idea. The government, as in India, uses the center that is this... uh, Center for Health, I believe, uses this center in Odisha that has a registry of seven and a half million farmers, million farmers that he claims is only to give them real-time advice. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. That is a dream scenario for a surveillance state, especially if you have all the right technology in place, which, according to Gates, they want to do. And he explains that officials can monitor what crops farmers are growing, but claims it's only to offer helpful advice. I don't think so. I don't think so. And if you look at a lot of these things, thing these these uh, projects like DPI, this you know digital public infrastructure that's all about uh, uh, digital IDs, they get tested. Like a lot of these vaccines from Gates, they get tested in developing countries, usually organized by imagine globalists and global financial institutions like the World Bank. And of course, Gates even mentions that the World Bank has been watching progress of implementation of DBI in places like Odisha, Ethiopia, and Sri Lanka. And of course, I I would imagine the idea is that they are going to try and replicate these examples in other areas. The United Nations developed a program, a campaign called 50 and 5. And its goal is to assist is to assist countries, 50 countries, in creating, launching, and expanding parts of their digital public infrastructure. And, of course, gets who's involved. Oh, the Gates Foundation. Oh, yeah. And what do they want to promote? They want to promote the introduction of safe, inclusive, and interoperable digital public infrastructure in those countries. 
Man, crazy, dude. Crazy. Crazy. What is, uh, what's really funny is I do have one story that, uh, I found very interesting that kind of goes along with this same idea of, uh, manipulation by globalists and whatnot. Listen to this. Listen to this. COVID-19 brain fog. COVID-19 brain fog is real and can last over a year. Dropping IQ (laughs) as much as nine points. Research from Imperial College London suggests that even mild cases of COVID-19 can lead to long-term cognitive issues, often called brain fog, with people experiencing drops in IQ points. study published in the New England Journal of Medicine involved over 140,000 participants and found that COVID-19 survivors, survivors showed cognitive deficits compared to those who hadn't been infected. These deficits persisted over a year after the initial infection, memory, reasoning, and other cognitive functions were affected with the severity of symptoms correlating with the drop in IQ points. Hospitalization, especially in the ICU, worsened cognitive decline. Different variants of the virus had varying impacts with earlier strains causing more significant defects. The study emphasizes the need for ongoing support for COVID-19 survivors as cognitive issues can linger even after physical symptoms resolve. The findings also raise concerns about the broader societal impact, especially on education and healthcare systems. While some recovery is possible, continued monitoring and support are essential. You know what my take is? My take is that if you bought into all this shit, if you bought into all the propaganda and the bullshit that was poured over all of us throughout the last, what, four years now, then yeah, yeah, your IQ definitely is dropped. I can assure you of that. Your IQ has dropped if you fell for all this bullshit. So I don't, you know, say what you want, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's long COVID. I think it's, uh, I think it's susceptible to propaganda, which happens to the best Happens to the best, but that's why you got to keep your eye out. You got to watch. You got to listen. I default propaganda. I default. I automatically assume everything is propaganda first because you know what? Chances are it is, especially if it's coming out of the mainstream, which is all. That's all where it came from. You all know the history. I don't have to. I don't have to preach to you about it. You already know. Because you're the tinfoil militia, and that's what makes you special. Now, finally, my last story that I want to go over only because I thought it was super cool and scary at the same time. But check this out. So, introducing the Weiss Synapse Suit. Now, this is the Mjolnir armor from Halo that I'm showing right now. So, don't get excited by thinking that they're releasing Master Chief armor. However... When you listen to this, you might start thinking that they actually are. So here's what it is. A groundbreaking exosuit that's something unlike anything we've seen in the real world 
the potential to change lives. This suit is designed to help people with spinal cord injuries or those who've had strokes regain mobility and improve their quality of life. At the heart of the Synapse suit is a cool piece of tech called the Neuro AI Decoder. This fancy algorithm created by smart researchers can understand signals from the brain even when they're not perfect. This is a big deal because sometimes our brains can send messy signals, especially if we've had an injury. The decoder uses fancy computer stuff to make sense of these signals and figure out what the person wants to do, like move their arm or hand. It then tells the synopsuit what to do. This suit is special because it doesn't just move on its own. It actually helps the person's muscles move by sending signals to them. And there's this cool material in the suit that helps the person hold a position without getting tired. So in simple terms, if someone wearing the snap suit wants to move their arm, they just think about it and the suit helps them do it. When they're done, they think about relaxing, and the suit helps them do that too. So this combination of brain-reading tech and smart materials aims to help people move better and faster during their recovery. It's like having high-tech helper right in your body. Now think about this. Think about what the Mjolnir armor does for the Spartan. Very, very similar. Very similar. And then you add in the whole idea of Cortana and this AI that helps him out. Dude, we are talking about Halo armor right now. That's what we're talking about. How cool. How fascinating would that be? Huh? How fascinating would that be? So how long before we are going to get straight up Master Chief armor? And then keep in mind now, keep in mind that when it comes to super soldier technology, instead of like the whole idea of like having to genetically modify humans to get them to be superhuman and do superhuman things, instead create an external suit that can do all of that. And now you can throw a regular average human into a suit and make them superhuman. Holy shit, guys. We're talking about Iron Man, Superman, and Halo Chief all wrapped in one, baby. The future is, well, it's going to be nuts, period. It's going to be nuts. I believe I see militia forming. Tinfoil. Militia. Stop, militia. The tinfoil. Militia. I joined the militia, but why would you? What do you think tap water is? It's a gay bomb, baby. Oh, join the community today. Go on, the tinfoil militia. We need more members. We need more people. We're trying to build an army here of tinfoilists, people that question everything. Whether you're a believer, a skeptic, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I want your brain. I want your brain involved. And there's a number of ways to get involved in the tinfoil militia. For one, first of all, like I said in the beginning of the episode, we are value for value. That is time, talent, or treasure. Well, what is that? What does that mean? Time is if you're in the chat. Thank you very much for joining the chat. Hopefully, you're adding to the conversation. 
as well as uh, commenting on videos, helping boost the algorithm, uh, joining the Discord server, adding a conversation there like our friend Thor does. Um, and then talent would be anything on the back end that helps the show grow as far as website design, clip making, um, you know, anything, anything that can help us get better, grow an audience and, and take over the world. That's what we want. That's talent. And then treasure, of course, is the easiest. Whatever value you find in this show, turn that into a number and throw that back our way. It is, it is that simple. Time, talent, or treasure. We put this stuff out for free. You know, a lot of times I, when I first started, I had an idea of what I wanted to do. I was just kind of following the, the the template of what to do when you start a podcast, right? Well, then over time, I you know I I got hit up by people like Manscaped and and uh, and and BetterHelp and these people that that sponsor every podcast, me undies, and I didn't like it. It was schmoozy. Uh, it didn't mean anything. It didn't mean anything to me. It felt gross. Like all of a sudden I got to read an ad when I don't wear me undies. I don't use better help. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't do any of that. Uh, Manscaped, not impressed. Maybe you are. I'm not. But either way, all I'm saying is I didn't want to sell out to corporate money. But what I like to do is I like to reach out to people that are like-minded and say, hey, support us any way you can. And that's where the Tinfoil Militia community comes from, is it comes from like-minded people that are willing to get involved and bring their brain to the table. Like I said, one of the things I'm really wanting to do is make this a panel show the way it was designed to be, the way I intended for it to be, because it's been really hard to get good co-hosts to get involved. And uh, so if you're one of these people that you have Sundays available, uh, 6.30 p.m. Pacific Standard, which is when we do the show, tune in every Sunday. Um, I want you to hit me up, reach out, let's have a conversation, and let's see if we can't get you involved in the show because I want more perspectives. I mean, look, I love talking to you. I love talking to all of you. I, I appreciate you tuning in and all that, but how much fun would it be to have a, a panel here, a group of people talking and having fun and laughing and going through the whole thing? I think it would be rad. So that's what I want uh, and like I said, I want everybody to join our community. So some of the ways you could do that is all of our stuff. Uh, the portal to UFO No is ufonopodcast.net. You can find new episodes there. You can find all those streams there. You can buy merch there. You can find ways to donate there. Uh, direct PayPal donations. We're also on Patreon. Uh, there's a number of ways, but... Again, there are new episodes every Sunday. We put this content out for free and because we just simply want you to enjoy it. And uh, so if you do, support us any way you can. Uh, buy some merch. Get involved. Be an official tinfoilist in the tinfoil militia. But most importantly, stay elevated. Keep your eyes in the skies and watch out for the government. They're shoisty bastards. Peace out, y'all. Love ya. Have a great night, everybody. Bye-bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.